Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to episode one of my new podcast series, Across the Board. In this podcast series, I will take a look at board of director issues. I'll take a look at issues from the board of directors perspective. I'll take a look at issues from those who report to the board, senior executives and others. It will be a wide-ranging podcast, which I hope will bring you, the listener, more information about what a board needs and what a board expects. In this inaugural issue, I take a look at the Uber Board of Directors and its response after the release of the Holder Report in June of 2017. What should the board have done? What should the board do going forward? And what's the board's role in the complete cultural disaster that that existed at Uber? My guest on this episode is Richard Lummis. Richard is well known to my podcast listeners as the host of 12 O'Clock High, a podcast on business leadership. But more importantly, he's a serial entrepreneur and his own multiple companies. He has both reported to boards and been on boards, so I thought he would be an excellent guest for my first episode. I hope you'll enjoy this podcast series. I've had a lot of fun developing it and putting together the first few episodes, which will come out in short order. The podcast across the board is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox again, and I'm here with Richard Lummis. Richard has been a colleague for many years. Uh, Richard has a legal background. He then went into the business world. He is what I would call a serial entrepreneur. He has uh, been involved with as a founder, as a senior executive, as a board of director of multiple companies. He's a person who I look to for a lot of guidance in these areas. And we wanted to take a look at the Eric Holder report on Uber from the board perspective because I thought I found some really fascinating points and I wanted to get Richard's take based upon uh, his experience in, in lots of different industries and, and I do mean different industries. He's not been in the uh, transportation industry as, as I recall um, but lots of other industries where he's had to uh, uh, struggle with some of these questions both as a senior executive and board member. So Richard um, with the um, board portion of the Uber report, uh, it was uh, I was fascinated by the title of the section, which was Enhanced Board Oversight, which I think spoke a large part of some of the uh, shortcomings of the board, but they had thing, the recommendations were enhance the independence of the board, install an independent chairperson of the board, create an oversight committee, which I, of course, was thrilled to, say, to see them say an ethics and compliance oversight committee, um, and use compensation to hold senior leaders executive excuse me, accountable. So uh, anything in those recommendations that uh, you found interesting or how would you take a look at a company like this from a board perspective? Well, from a general standpoint, the um, I thought in particular the independence of the board is, is a key factor. Um, from business school, you're, you're taught that there are various stakeholders. Some people take the view that the shareholder is the ultimate or benefiting the shareholder is the ultimate goal of the board of directors. I think that's too narrow a view. Um, I think you have a lot of other stakeholders, um, including your employees, uh, the public at large, uh, I would argue even in certain circumstances, the environment. Um, 
but the board has to be independent. Um, and what they're not saying that everyone on the board is independent. What they're saying is you, they want them to include additional independent board seats. Um, they don't address what these, well, they, they do. They say they should be directors with meaningful experience on other boards. Um, I'm not sure that's entirely relevant. Um, I think they should have experience in the industry or, or similar industry. Um, which gets you to the problem that a lot of times you're going to, they would be your competitors. So um, that's a problem. Would incestuousness be a problem? Uh, it always is. The, uh, I mean, the real problem here is that they tend to be made up of senior management and lenders um, and often union representatives, although Uber, I don't believe, is unionized in any aspect. Um, but so, yeah, the, the anyway... The recommendation to enhance the independence of the board, I think, is an important one. They definitely should adopt it. The independent chairman is another one that is often violated. Um, I think it's I think it's a great idea because typically the chairperson is the one who sets the agenda for board meetings. And as we all know, setting the agenda for a meeting can give you a great deal of control. Frequently, when it is the uh, the CEO, he uses it to downplay things that he doesn't want the other board members to know about. Um, so an independent chairman addresses a lot of that. Um, I agree on the oversight committee. The recommendations with respect to the audit committee, I was astonished, were not already in place. Um, <laughs> Wasn't that just amazing? <laughs> no audit committee, uh, no substantive audit committee. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've talked about the compensation uh, aspect before with respect to uh, United and Wells Fargo too. That that was with respect to clawbacks and so forth. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's one of the major levers you have over your senior management. So of course you should use it. Um, I guess that was about it. The I'm not entirely sure who's on the Uber board since it's a private company. So it consists of. Um, uh, Six or seven. Let me see if I can name them. Ariana Huffington. Mm-hmm. Um, there were three uh, private in- equity uh, slots from early investors in Uber, and then actually the other three were controlled by Kalanick, former CEO Kalanick, and the two other founding employees who had the largest block of stocks. Right. So that was the board, and um, you know we we probably should bring this up that. Um, and I have to set this scene because this is just if I if if this was in a movie, no one would believe it. So the holder report comes out on a weekend. The board votes to accept the holder report. The on Tuesday, the board is going to meet the Uber corporate employee base in San Francisco. They rent an auditorium, and the entire board is in front of the Uber employee base, and they uh, discuss they distribute the report. They just begin to discuss the report. The one woman member of the board, Ariana Huffington, says something along the lines <laughs> that uh, I believe it's good to have more women on the board. And once you have one woman, you tend to get another, and then you'll have other female board members. <laughs> and um, one of the board members um, responded, well, if you have more women on the board, there'll certainly be more talking. So... Um, that opened up a board spot pretty that, quick. <laughs> that, that board member resigned the next day. Now, whether that uh, board, the board member who made that comment was a 71-year-old white male, 
but he was a, he is a billionaire and he has had multiple uh, private equity companies. He's been in the uh, private equity space for at least thirty years. Um, he definitely should have known better than to say that. I recognize that we all say things that we later regret, but when you're in a public forum talking about diversity uh, as one of your key points and to make an offhanded comment on that, uh, no matter how flippant, uh, I think really, uh, as you said, he had to re- it was so bad he had to resign the next day. But maybe that spoke about kind of the board's good old boy attitude. Uh, I don't want to uh, put that on onus on the other board members and certainly not on Arianne Huffington. Um, but that was the kind of culture that Uber had, where a board member could literally say that to another board member in front of the entire employee base. And I think I read it in the New York Times. They said that the audience was palpably aghast with silence when he said that. Everyone knew how inappropriate it was. Um, so as a board member... Uh, you really do have to uh, talk the talk in addition to walking the walk. <laughs> well, they got in trouble for talking. Talking too much. Yeah. So uh, having those those kinds of examples from the board um, are really um, important. The thing that has intrigued me the most, Richard, about the board is in the context of Silicon Valley and startups. Uh, when you have a board that is essentially lenders or investors, that they're all insiders. It's not a public company, so there's no obligation to either the U.S. public, a greater public, even the shareholders. Uh, Their only obligation, I think, is to um, uh, the investors at that point, uh, I think. Um, But they still have to exercise a a reasonable business judgment, and they still have to exercise uh, some modicum of corporate governance but at some point, there has to be a change. In another podcast, we talked about a change in the focus of the leadership. But does that change also translate into a broader, more diversified, and you called it, independent board? I think absolutely. And we've talked about the problems that entrepreneurs have making the transition from a startup culture to a more sustainable, for lack of a better word, bureaucratic culture, but with these controls and so forth in place. And I think the boards suffer from the same problem. And many of them simply do not make a transition. They don't think about making a transition into a different kind of structure. And I think that's probably what we have here is that they're used to, I mean, this is a huge success from their venture capital standpoint. Uh, it's a much larger company than, than is usually stayed private. At this point, it's usually uh, been kicked out in an IPO. but. Um, so maybe that's part of the problem. This company outgrew its board as well as its leaders. You know, that's a great point, and I really hadn't thought about that uh, in the context of the board, but did the company outgrow the board as well? And uh, I think uh, I'm a, I would characterize part of the holder recommendations as a response to that is, yes, the yeah. company did outgrow the board. And your... Um, Concept or thoughts around independent board members, I think, is an important issue to explore because in a startup, uh, you do have a different culture and you do have a drive uh, to create something. And moving to scalability, when I uh, listen to business podcasts or study uh, business leaders who talk about making the transition from a startup to a big boy company to becoming even a or big girl company, uh, not to, to, to include some diversity. Um, uh, to becoming a public company, 
they talk about scalability and they talk about having the expertise of board members who have worked in large scale and um, those are not always the uh, representatives of the initial uh, A-level fundings. So uh, the independence is needed to, to bring that independent view. Well, and, and by independence, I think it's, I guess, what used to be called outside directors that typically should be bringing in some other kind of expertise, whether it's expertise in compliance or public relations or um, whatever the the problem that the company thinks it's going to face going forward is. Um, I, that's probably where you should be focusing your independent uh, directors. But having served on boards, directors are very reluctant to give up their position. It's, uh, it's prestigious. Uh, for a company like this, it's probably well paid. Um, so I think, I think this is an area that a lot of companies should really think about is, uh, is does your board reflect where your company is at this stage in its development? I guess the other area I wanted to see if we could explore a little is, uh, do you have any thoughts on whether a uh, CEO of a startup should also be the chairman of the board or uh, should the chairman be uh, independent? Now, we know what uh, Eric Holder and his firm's recommendation was, but I was wondering if you'd had that a discussion or had any experience along those lines which uh, would give you some insight into which way it should go? I have, and I sort of addressed it earlier with my discussion of uh, agenda control. Um, I think it's a bad idea for the CEO to also be the chairman, um, simply because if he, well, for instance, we talked about using compensation as a, as a control over senior executives. That's unlikely to come up on the board agenda if the CEO thinks it's going to be to his disadvantage. So I think I think it's a great idea always to have an independent chairman. So I've been visiting with uh, Richard Lummis today, a serial entrepreneur, been on uh, multiple boards, who's been sharing his thoughts on the Eric Holder report about uh, Uber and the recommendations which the um, Uber board has accepted in toto. So, Richard, we will just have to see how this plays out, and I may ask you to come back and give us some more opinions. Well, always happy to share opinions. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this inaugural episode of my new podcast, Across the Board. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast, as it would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about this newest podcast on boards of directors, corporate governance, and their roles in corporations and managing risk. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening again, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of Across the Board on the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.